0: We humans have come up with many different names for the God made flesh. Names of beauty and purpose and reverence. Names given by the prophets and disciples. Names that try to describe the indescribable miracle of Jesus. But Jesus called himself by a different name. A name that points both to an ancient prophecy and future glory. A name of humility and deep intention. Join us as we explore the deep significance of the name Jesus chose to call himself, Son of Man. Good morning once again. Happy Easter once again. Yes, that's right, Edward. It is Easter. It's Resurrection Day. I'm Pastor Benjamin. If we haven't met before, it's my joy to speak to you on this Resurrection Day. So it is the fourth and final week of our Son of Man series. So to the memory verse. You ready? Matthew 25, 31 goes like this. Say it with me. When he finally arrives, blazing in beauty and all his angels with him, The son of man will take his place on this glorious throne now that's a good Easter verse isn't it okay so a quick review if you get these right for each one you get right you get an invisible sticker and three stars or maybe you can have five you know it's up to you really take all the stars you want Uh, but let's review Um, first In this series, Pastor Melody talked about Jesus as a what? As a what? Human. Human. There we go. Jesus was completely and utterly, fully a human being, empathizing with us, living a real life, right? And completing the work on the cross as a person, going through that as a human being. So then I talked about the next week, Jesus as a heretic. heretic. That's right. And I heard that, um, I heard one of the redibots that asked uh, his mom, Miss Hannah, so are we supposed to be heretics too? And um, she said, well, yes, but let's talk more about this at lunch. <clears throat> so Jesus was a heretic in that he was turning tradition on its head. He was saying, you have heard it said you, you've owned this way of thinking, I tell you this. You know how many times he said that, right? You have heard it said, but I say. So he flipped it all on his head so that we could see the heart of the Father. And then last week, Brett talked about Jesus as a hero. hero. Jesus was the ultimate hero, faithfully completing the cosmic work of the redemption of all things, instituting the kingdom of God on this planet, hastening the union of heaven and earth when everything, everything is made whole. So this week, speaking of whole, we're talking about Jesus being whole, W-H-O-L-E, to be clear. Jesus was a human, a heretic a hero, and finally, he is whole, he's whole. I know that Pastor Melody and I are really bringing the alliteration game strong, Um, It must be my Baptist roots, I don't know, but there you go, H's for Easter. So on that note, here's a brain teaser for you, because why not? Uh, What can you fill a barrel with that actually makes it lighter? Who said what? Keaton? He said what? Holes. Nailed it. I thought I was ready to wait. I was like, this is going to be the longest Easter message in element history. But there you go. You fill it with holes. That's what makes it lighter. That's a good one. That's a good one. I like that one. That's how it is with Jesus. We allow him to make us whole. W-H-O-L-E. And we feel lighter we step into an abundant and flourishing life so that's what we're talking about today jesus was made whole from death out of death so that we can be made whole so that we can be made whole is that good news church okay so let's start with this thought you have to be broken to be able to be made whole you have to be broken to be able To be made whole and when you think about that it's like this it's a lot like the truth that there can be no resurrection without death death has to come before the resurrection brokenness has to come before the wholeness and we don't have to look very far to see the brokenness do we look at the world look at this nation look down the street look in the mirror Now I believe that creation is beautiful, that God has made a good world and the human beings were created in his image and full of beauty and glory. But we have made a mess of things too. That's also true, right? From our gluttony and overconsumption and approval seeking, from the wars we fight with drones and on keyboards, from the lust that drives the modern slave trade to the lusts that we think are okay because they don't hurt anyone. I could go on, right? I could go on about the brokenness that we face. Now, somebody may be thinking, um, Benjamin, this is Easter. I'm not sure if you got the memo, but that doesn't sound very, you know, victorious. <clears throat> but to grasp the fullness of what it means to be made whole, we must look the brokenness in the face. We have to look at it. The prophet Isaiah, he put it like this in Isaiah 53. He said, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. So that word iniquity it's like a, sounds like a fancy word for sin, right? In Hebrew, they translate that as guilt or punishment for iniquity see each act of iniquity as isaiah puts it each sin that we choose something breaks there's brokenness there for example when we lie what breaks what gets broken trust when we put sin into the world into our shared lives our common lives as family as community something ends up being broken. And then what happened with all the brokenness that we've caused as we've gone our own way like sheep? Isaiah says that God laid it on Jesus. He laid it all on Jesus. So the next verse, verse 7, he goes on. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb to the slaughter has led to the slaughter like a sheep that before its shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. So you see what he did with verses 6 and 7 there? If we've gone astray like sheep, then we needed Jesus, the Lamb of God, who was worthy to bear all of the brokenness and be taken to the slaughter with it. You see that? The son of man, the human one, the last Adam, the one that could do it. So all of our brokenness was piled on top of Jesus. So here you go. In order for us to be made whole, Jesus had to break. He had to take all the breaking that we've caused as human beings. And as we said a second ago, you can't be made whole unless there was brokenness first. So we took all the brokenness onto his body. He took it into his heart. And we need to think about that. Every horrible sin that you can imagine from everyone in history, but that was only the beginning, wasn't it? Think about billions of souls worth of guilt, billions of souls worth of shame. He carried all of it, all of it, all of it while his body was shredded and tortured. Someone tried to give him a drink to numb like a mild painkiller, and he refused it when he tasted it, why? Because he knew that he had to bear all of it, all of it in his heart and soul and body. He took eons of filth into his beating heart, right? Nobody could do that but the Son of Man. Nobody could do that but the Son of Man. But please hear this, my friends, on Easter Sunday. Please hear this. The point of the cross, the point of the cross isn't to show you how ugly you are. The point of the cross is to show you how beautiful Jesus is. The point of the cross isn't to show you that you're despicable, it's to show you that Jesus thinks you're to die for. The point of the cross isn't only to pay for our sins. It's about the price that Jesus paid that bought, that purchased our freedom and our wholeness. And the point of the resurrection wasn't to start a religion that could grow and become powerful, it was to usher in the power for you to live a life of wholeness. Put this one on the screen. Resurrection is a complete work, it is whole. You can't be half resurrected. You can't be half-made whole. Resurrection is a complete work. Let that sink in. When Lazarus was raised from the dead, he was healed and he was whole. And when Jesus was raised from the dead, it wasn't just so that he could be healed and whole. His wholeness was for our wholeness. No other prophet or teacher or king or leader did what jesus did through his resurrection this was on the screen too other religions promise transcendence of your brokenness jesus promises the healing and then redeeming of your brokenness that is the wholeness jesus took hold of through his resurrected life and it is precisely the same wholeness that you inherit when you become his It's the same wholeness that you inherit when you become his by his brokenness. We are healed and by his resurrection, we are empowered to live in wholeness. So if sin was a debt that had to be paid, right? And the cross, the sacrifice of Jesus brought us up to out of the red. Now we have no debt. Now we're even, it didn't stop there. The resurrection empowered us to live in wholeness now please hear me church i i know that the brokenness that we experience from going our own way and the effects of others going their own way and their transgressions on us can cut so deeply i know i know that losing someone we love is a deep deep wound i know that the horrors of addiction are demoralizing and wounding of everyone involved i know The shame and guilt that we're tempted to carry can be crippling, and the effects of our pride and rage and apathy and gluttony that they hurt others. But I also know that Jesus took all of that, all of it, and he felt it all. He felt it all. And I know if we receive his new life and the power of his resurrection, that we're made whole, not half whole, but whole, no matter what we've been through and no matter what we've done. This one's on the screen too. We are made whole from the brokenness of our suffering and the brokenness of our sin. There are times we won't feel like it, but that doesn't mean we're not whole. It means that we are on the journey of becoming more aware of the wholeness we already have. You can't be half resurrected. And maybe that's what healing is, coming back to the truth that we have been redeemed and made whole. And that that redemption and wholeness are true for this current wound too. By his brokenness we're healed and by his resurrection we're empowered to live in wholeness. But that doesn't mean that we won't carry the scars. Scars are stories. Have you ever noticed that We all have our scar stories here's a couple of my scar stories. So I have two scars on my left thumb. Both are from knife accidents. Kids. Let that be a lesson to you. Uh, one, I was trying to cut a block of cheddar cheese and holding it like this, which again, kids don't be like me uh, The second one i was I was much older not that long ago, when I was cutting a package open for my little niece for uh, Christmas. like She just opened it, and I'm like, i I want to play with it. Okay, sure, I got it. And then Christmas was ruined. Um, <clears throat> uh, let's see, I have a scar on my forehead. Um, it used to be like in my hairline. Now, it's come down. Da- I don't know how it came down, <laughs> and you can see it now. I used to have to pull my hair back to see it. Um, I don't know what that's about, but you can see it now. So I was, I think I was about four years old. I was running in the backyard and we had a swing set, you know, in the backyard. And my sister was on a a glider. I don't know if kids, y'all know what that is anymore, but you're just gliding back and forth. And I just ran in front of it and got nailed in the forehead. I like to picture myself like flying back in slow motion and then there's probably an explosion over here just to be cool, you know um, <clears throat> but it's it's still there uh, and then there's a scar on my knee from the time that uh, me and my cousins uh, tried to build a backyard skate park out of scrap wood. Um, notice I said the time that we did that because that was the first and last time that I that I skateboarded. Um, so our scars hold stories, don't they We could all go around and tell our stories but we don't have time so let's go over to John chapter 20 and to set the scene before we read so Jesus hasn't appeared yet he's he's alive again but he hasn't appeared yet to the group the whole group of apostles yet and they hadn't believed Mary Magdalene when she told them that Jesus was alive and he had appeared to her they hadn't quite taken her word for it so they're in hiding they're grieving they're terrified Um, if they could do that to Jesus, then they're going to find us and do the same to us. Uh, So verses 19 and 20, John chapter 20, 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, here you go, He showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Don't you love when the Bible is understated? They were glad when they saw the Lord. I think they were very, very glad. So go ahead to verse 24. Now Thomas, one of the 12, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails uh, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later. I don't know if you have ever caught that before. Eight days later. So he's, he's clung to this. I'm not going to believe unless I can feel the scars. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again. And Thomas was with them. So what did Jesus show his apostles to prove that it was him? What did Thomas demand to see before believing? And what did Jesus, without being asked, show up and show to Thomas? His scars. He showed his scars. The scars were the evidence. Okay, here we go. You still with me? The scars were the evidence of his former brokenness. The scars were the evidence of his identity to them. The scars were the evidence of his new life to them. His scars communicated his story of suffering, death, and resurrection to new life. His scars were the evidence of his wholeness. See, a scar is not a wound, is it? A scar is the proof that the wound has healed. A scar is a story, a story of redemption that you've received into your life. It's evidence that we are whole too. This was on the screen for you. Wholeness through resurrection isn't the absence of scars. On the contrary, it is the presence of scars. Wholeness through resurrection isn't the absence of scars. It's the presence of scars. If there are wounds that you're holding, that you're bearing on the inside, I understand that today. And there's grace and there's mercy for that journey to healing. But if we follow Jesus, then the wholeness of his new life is the wholeness that you've inherited. The same wholeness that he rose to, you've risen to. And today, I'm inviting us to grow into the revelation of that wholeness. To receive it into all of the wounded places in our lives. Several years back, a former elementer had shared something with Bobby, and then he shared it in a sermon, and I never, ever, ever, ever forgot it. In fact, I worked it into, when I have spoken about my clinical depression in the past, I, I have used this idea to describe the redemption that's come through that. So I'm talking about Kintsugi. Kintsugi is a, a Japanese art, and we have some pictures. There you go. So it's, an, it's a Japanese art and philosophy uh, about mending broken things. So the art part of it is that they repair these broken, um, this broken pottery and dishes. They repair it with lacquer and gold dust. So they're repairing it with gold, and they're gorgeous, right? But then there's the philosophical reasoning behind the art. Why do this, right? The belief is that something that is broken doesn't have to be thrown away. Something that's broken doesn't have to be thrown away. That something that's broken is still worth saving. You with me? You see where we're going? Are we talking about the gospel? But there's more. It's not just that the broken thing is it's, it's worth saving. It's this. Because of Jesus' resurrection, the broken places are precisely the places that become most beautiful. Where our wholeness is most displayed. I feel like I need to say that again. Because of the resurrection, the broken places are exactly the places that become most beautiful. The scars are telling the story of redemption, where our wholeness is displayed. Church and anybody at home, anybody hearing these words, maybe even long after I've said them here today, there's no amount of brokenness or sin or suffering that cannot be made whole. And if you're still carrying wounds that aren't scars yet, then your redemption story, it's still being revealed to you. That scar story is still being written. But by faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you know how it ends. We know how it ends. It ends with the finished work of the cross and the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ making you whole. That's how it ends. Because he is whole. What could a group of Christ's followers who are living into the wholeness Jesus bought and paid for for them, what could they accomplish living like that? What could that look like in our neighborhoods? Our wholeness we've received, it's meant to be a foretaste, it's meant to be a preview, not only of the wholeness that our neighbors can have, but also of the coming wholeness. Our lives of wholeness are to be a preview of the coming shalom when the kingdom of God and the kingdom and the earth meet and all things are made new. We are ambassadors of that good news. Our wholeness shows what the world can and will be like. You see that? Jesus, the son of man, he paid a high price for our wholeness. He did that because he thought you and me and everyone else was to die for. And when his whole body walked out, healed of the grave and into new life, he released the power for us to do the same thing and to invite others to do the same thing, to usher in the coming wholeness. And his scars are still telling the greatest story ever told. So what we're going to do, I'm going to ask the band to come back up. And they're going to play for a couple of minutes. But this word today, this is not something to hear and put down. This is a word to take in. Let these words fall on the fertile soil of your heart today. Not the weeds, and not the rocks, but in fertile soil. So to give that a little moment to take root in us, we're going to spend a few minutes in prayer and reflection, okay? So I'm asking you, I'm inviting you to open up your heart and to reflect. If you want to kneel, you could do that. I'm going to close your eyes. You can do that to pray and reflect. So where is the brokenness of sin or suffering still a wound in your life? Where is the brokenness of sin or suffering still a wound in your life? Where is it that you need to allow the wholeness and completeness of Jesus' healing to be realized, to be actualized in you? I invite you to take a moment, reflect on those questions, pray through them, open yourself up to God. God, we open ourselves to you. We know that there are places of sin or suffering in us that we have not received the truth of your wholeness into. And Spirit, we ask that your kindness would lead us to repentance there. That your grace would animate us into action to confess and then to receive your mercy, to receive the wholeness of Jesus Christ. We thank you that your resurrection was not halfway, it was a complete work, and so it is in us a complete work. As we go from here today in a few minutes, God, may this word take root in us so that we can live as a preview of the coming wholeness we can bring the good news of complete wholeness to the people that we meet. Amen.